Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chen. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same actor, the same director, or a similar theme. However, in true Cinema in Context, uh, February slash March form, <laughs> we are changing up the script a bit, and we're going to focus on the Oscars, the Academy Awards. And like last year, we are going to be doing a bit of a debrief of the ceremony that happened a week ago, well, for us recording, it's probably a few weeks ago by the time this is posted, and talk about some of the the surprises, some of the non-surprises, and maybe some of the uh, other missed opportunities and great things that happened on that night. But before we do that, I'm keen to kind of hear from each of us around how we went into this Oscar uh, ceremony, how we were feeling about the Oscars. So, um, Sarah, do you want to start us off? What were your thoughts about how things were going to pan out or... So, this year, I became increasingly disillusioned fairly swiftly after the Golden Globes and then after the BAFTAs, uh, particularly after the BAFTAs, where 1917 took home, what was it, seven of the awards. And I thought, good Lord, if the Oscars just repeats that, then it's going to be the dullest thing ever. Not quite maybe as egregious as Green Book winning Best Picture, but kind of as annoying in a different sort of way. Now, I should say for context, there have been years in my life when I was not a school teacher, when I was able to take Monday afternoons, which is when it screens New Zealand time, take Monday afternoons off, sit down and watch the Oscars. And again, increasingly over the years, the ceremonies have been kind of a letdown. For the last six years, haven't been able to do it. This year, not a teacher could, but thought, is it going to be a waste of my time? I'm just going to leave that hanging there. So, <laughs> William, over to you. I was kind of apprehensive going to these these Academy Awards. Um, I think like most people, the awards used to hold a very dear place in my heart. I was really excited about, you know, oh, what, what film will take the, the top film honours of the year? Just seems like, especially post-Green Book, which, you know, to be honest, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's just a very undeserving one. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I was fully going into it thinking that, oh, Parasite deserves the win, but they're not going to give yeah, it to Parasite. Yeah. You know, it's going to be 1917 or Joker, um, maybe Once Upon a Time. I think I was telling you, Jeremy, my gut was saying Once Upon a Time. Um, and of course, teaching and everything, I couldn't watch the ceremony. And it was that afternoon I was going through the winner's list where, yeah, things, things happen, these Oscars. Yeah. I think that gut feeling I shared that I messaged Sarah at the same time. I think I'm pretty sure Once Upon a Time is going to win. But yeah, I have to agree with both your sentiments. I was, I think, far more, far more apathetic about the whole thing Um, after Green Book, particularly in a year where there were so many better films that discussed race in particular Mm. and some of the more grittier issues that Green Book was trying to deal with. It felt like a very pedestrian, safe way to deal with those topics. And then the nominations this year, on first glance, were left a lot to be desired. And there's a lot of discussion about representation in the awards ceremonies, particularly for um, for women and for um, uh, people of colour and different ethnicities and different ways of being. Mm. Uh, it seems to be that the Oscars have, over the last few years, perpetuated certain ideas, or at least that's the narrative. Certain that gets... norms. Yeah. yeah. And so I was feeling a little bit disillusioned by that. Um, and and didn't even bother to pay it much attention, to be mm. honest, beyond on the day thinking, 
Mm, I kind of do still care. So, Sarah, can you please tell me what's going on through messages? Mm. <laughs> um, and I have in the past really enjoyed taking a day off and, and indulging and watching the entire ceremony. Uh, but I don't know. The films of this last decade that have won Best Picture, we talked about this during the Birdman and um, 1917 podcast. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, they've, they've been more boring than not. Um, and so I was, yeah, didn't expect much. The shortlist of nine as well. I mean, I don't mean us to leap directly into talking about Best Picture, but just to say the shortlist of nine, to be fair, was no worse of a shortlist than in previous years. But definitely, when we discussed it, I, I, I think there was so... I mean, Ford versus Ferrari, for me, is categorically not even... Shouldn't even have been up for this <laughs> picture, and that's ludicrous. And it maybe had its place in other categories, as we'll discuss. But actually, there were very, very few of those other eight that I thought truly deserved Best Picture, even Uncle Marty's The Irishman. Mm -hmm. And so, as you say, William, you know, it was a case of, well... Parasite is really the only deserving win, but it's probably not going to happen. Therefore, is this just going to be a complete letdown? It was okay. Well, let's jump in because Parasite was the biggest oh my gosh moment of the night, even though it had had one best director as well, which was pretty stoked about. Happening, it was good and best screenplay. So yeah. he first off won best original screenplay. screenplay, and you know how sometimes, like I know that Tarantino and others have often been fobbed off with that, and you that's think, what I thought as well. And you think, oh yeah, well, yeah. that's what you're gonna get. That's what I thought with director too. I thought, oh, he gets best international L film, like Roma, um, well, yeah. Being director, yeah. And well, then best, best international the film. film came before director, didn't it? So then mm -hmm. you think, oh well, his fate is sealed because mm -hmm. they're never gonna give the same. They're never gonna give the Oscar yeah, to the hey, best. Crouching Tiger. Yeah, yeah, international feature film plus. Isn't that lovely? They call it international. Feature film now. That's a new, yeah, of, new yeah, thing. Best thing. And when he accepted his award for that, he said it is such an honour to receive this award uh, on the inaugural sort of renaming of it. He obviously thought, well, that's it. I can go and get drunk after this pretty swiftly. <laughs> that was his joke, right? Absolutely. Every subsequent award, he says, I'm going to have to get drunker. And that's by the fourth right. award, I think he was probably scraping the barrel with how yeah. far he could push that joke. <laughs> but yes, you're right. It felt then director was mm. like, oh, well, you're getting all the other ones. Yeah. So what an extraordinary outcome. Mm -hmm. It was just brilliant. I mean, we it was our film of the year. It's the closest yeah. we, we've ever come to consensus on the film of the year. And I haven't had a film, my film of the year, win Best Picture and since sort of 2003 with Lord of the Rings, mm. which even then, I can't even remember if that actually was my film of the year. I'm sure it was. Mm. But yeah. Talk about Roma. That's interesting. I think the whole Netflix debate is an interesting space here. Oh, yeah. Because you've got Irishman as well, which I still haven't mm. seen that film. And Marriage Story was presumably a Netflix yeah. picture. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and it seems to be that they are getting shut out even though they are getting the nominations it's like people just can't bring themselves to in in that institution to vote for a netflix film it's really i think the academy there's still some some sort of deep-seated distrust of streaming services um for me it was klaus it was it was always klaus mm. um talked about the movie before i've watched it since and it's it's beautiful it's, mm. it's fully deserving of the best animated picture um it won it swept the annual did you guys see this so the Annie Awards, which are the you know, top honours for animation, Klaus just swept. Mm. Um, and yet they gave it to Toy Story 4, which is, you know, it was one of my favourite movies, but mm. I, I partly a legacy really sort think, of thing? well, no, I think it was a Netflix thing. I really oh, do. Because right. Klaus ended up being fully funded by Netflix. Right. Yeah. Or well, it's potentially a non-entity thing in that, in that the, the, the general voting 
Academy mm. would have seen Toy Story 4 because it would have taken you know, children and grandchildren to the film, whereas the class maybe didn't have the same marketing budget. So people yeah. just by, by virtue of knowing about the film would vote for it more readily. Mm-hmm. Within the group that I... I mean, I, I went and watched it, so I did take the afternoon off and go watch it. Um, at the RSA in uh, Grey Lynn, oh, bless them, they turned the sport off and put the uh, movies <laughs> on for the sake of um, flicks.co.nz and a bunch of filmy people. And and people there weren't surprised about Toy Story 4, even though I was, because I was rooting for Klaus because of what you'd said, William. And uh, and and they were sort of of the view that it's a, it's a beloved film. I mean, it's a great film, you'd said it. It was a great film anyway, but a beloved... What's it called if there's four of them? Um, Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. <laughs> yeah. I is it a thing? I feel like there was an alien yeah, alien marketing ploy of the DVDs and they came out. <laughs> so, Quadrilogy. So to some extent, not yeah. entirely undeserved. And mm. But it's interesting though, from what you guys both just said, is the, are, you, are you implying that Marriage Story and The Irishman couldn't possibly have won Best Picture because of Netflix? Because I don't think either of them should have won Best Picture mm. because they weren't Best Pictures. I think that Roma missed out on Best Picture because of Netflix. And that was the first year, mainly, yeah. wasn't it? Like, Roma was, I mean, in Again, my opinion, is the Best Picture of last year. I agree, mm-hmm. absolutely. It was a, um, it was definitely worthy. It, if it had won, I wouldn't have been upset about that at all. If it had won, it would have been the first uh, non-English speaking yeah. Best Picture film. But that's of course, right. now Parasite has taken the honour. <laughs> yes, Maybe it's taken right. a bit of, you know, time to kind of come around. Yeah, Mm. May I just speak, Jeremy, to the fact that you you did rightly mention that, you know, Oscar's so white again this year in terms of the nominations and that sort of thing. One thing that was really notable, though, right from the opening bars of the um, the opening ceremony or whatever it's called, you know, the, 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 the opening number mm-hmm. with Janelle Monet, a woman of colour, bursting out into the set for um, It's a Lovely Day in the Neighbourhood. And then all of a sudden, a song and dance number that was predominantly diverse people non-white straight men um so i thought oh well this is this is fantastic it's admirable um and then i and i feel as though in terms of the presenters particularly i mean josh gad um seems to me about you know he's the only sort of white male i can remember because you had uh, you had so many other di- mm. more diverse people uh women people of color blah 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 i'm sorry to keep using that phraseology it sounds mm. a bit silly but you know what i mean um so it felt as though the academy was making a real effort to show diversity on the stage even if unfortunately it wasn't in terms of the nominations mm. or nominees mm-hmm. so yeah what films do you think could have been represented in the nominations that would have perhaps um better represented what was out there I mean, I, I would, I would, this is going to sound really, really off, but I would have completely put the Nightingale on Best Picture. But of course, it's never going to be Best Picture. It's not going to be nominated. I mean, it's a rape revenge story, Seven Tasmania, like, but that, that is, it's such a powerful picture from, from Jennifer Kent, who's done great stuff. Um, So that would have been my pick, but again, very, very, you know, um, unrealistic for Mm. that one. And and what I haven't seen the Little Women film. Do oh, you haven't seen Little Women yet. No. Do you think Greta Gerwig deserved to be recognised as the best director? I mean, no. I, I mean, like it's a <laughs> great film. She yeah. does a great job, but I didn't quite see it as being whatever the next level of you know best director or best film. Yeah, mm. I, I agree with that, Sarah. Like I, I enjoried it a lot. Mm, um, I saw and it they, twice. 
Nice. Because mm. they do really cool things with time in that movie. Because mm. um, the book is so, you know, and then this happened, and then this happened. Mm. And the movie, I mean, this specific adaptation just bounces around all over the place mm. with, you know, flash forwards and old age makeup and stuff. And the energy. Yeah. Not just even in the plotting, but the energy in the, in the, in the acting, the performances, the music. I mean, everything about it was completely uplifting, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It was a hugely energetic, gorgeous, pacey perfectly put together film mm. absolutely but yeah I, I agree um i don't i don't agree with the people who say like greta gurig was shafted she was mm. snubbed she did a really good job but yeah, yeah. so do you That's think the is. discussion then in terms of the well in terms of the criticism of the lack of um you know uh, an awards nomination draft it better represents our our society do you think it's more indicative of the of the industry as a whole yeah, um, look, I haven't thought about it carefully enough, but my inclination is always, isn't it really more about the films that are coming out? So if the, you know, if there is a, if there is a predominance of films that are made by white men about white men or whatever, then unfortunately, proportionally, that's what we're dealing with, and therefore they are statistically more likely to get a nomination because mm-hmm. there's more of them, that sort of thing. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I haven't looked, I, I mean, you know, you're saying, are there films that should have been nominated this year? And I've got to be honest with you, my mind's gone a blank. I can't think of any films particularly that I feel were egregiously um, overlooked. Mm. Um, I have my views on the nine that were, were put up for mm-hmm. it. I mean, I don't think Jojo Rabbit is a best picture material. And I know that's mm. controversial because people love that movie. Um, I thought it was a terrific film, mm. um, but it's, I don't think it's best picture. Ford versus Ferrari is not mm-hmm. best. The Irishman is not a best picture. But if they had given it to Scorsese, I would have accepted it purely on legacy body of work grounds. And you remember there was a time when people got their Oscars and you went, oh, look, it's for the yeah. body of work and that's okay. Scorsese for yeah. The Departed. Well, The Departed, to be honest, <laughs> which I think is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's mm. an okay, fine film. Yeah. But it is definitely no Goodfellas, no Casino, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So if they'd given it to Uncle Marty, particularly as, bless him, he's saying in all these interviews, well, that might be my last movie. And he's not, and he then sort of is swift to say, it's not like he's foreshadowing that he's ill or that he's about to drop dead. And let's remember, he is only 77, but... Bless him. Oh, if that is his last movie and he doesn't get another bite at it, I'd be sad. Mm. But, you know, um, but but The Irishman was not quite this picture. I, I, I bring it up because I think I'm probably investigating my own frustration with that. And it's I can't think of actually many films that I, you know, there's no, no, there's no films sitting there that I wish, mm. oh, gosh, that should have been that should have been recognized. But I think that the Oscars becomes a easy scapegoat for those frustrations yeah. because they are the, the sort of elite body that are recognizing yeah. talent. I think a lot of people were um, pushing for what's called the farewell. Oh yeah, to be nominated. Yeah. Um, I thought it was all right. I don't know. Maybe is it Asian New Zealander? I wasn't getting the Asian American vibes. It's weird. It's very much a movie made by Asian Americans for Asian Americans. Mm. Oh, you think it um, is? Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. Saying, but why? So why were you not getting the Asian American vibe? Because I just did not feel culturally in sync with the the whole movie. I see. Um, but you know, for for the audience that it's made for, and for apparently every single critic out there, it's a maze mm. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's just seemed to over-explain some things and feel very much in the, oh man, I'm a child of both worlds kind of thing, which is tiring. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. that's interesting because my response to the farewell wasn't obviously about that because I'm, I'm not a child of any, uh, my two worlds are England and New Zealand, so it's a little bit harder to, you know, make a fuss about that. But for me, it was about the grief and the anticipation of grief and the loss and mm. the, the, the deception and all that sort of thing not the cultural side of things mm, as interesting. much. Yeah. Let's shift gears a bit and talk about the acting awards. So yeah. four yes. acting awards. Um, yeah. what, a, what a great spread, I thought. It was a great <laughs> spread of performances. Um, so supporting acting. So I guess Brad Pitt was the first winner of the night. Yes, wasn't he was. It? Yeah, gave a very lovely speech. Yeah, the speech was fantastic. Yeah, funny. You see, I don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Brad's best best performance. I thought he was perfectly good in it. like, And I don't even mean he was only good. He was fine. He was great in it. But I don't think he was the best in that film. And I don't think it was his best performance. But then when I realised his only other Oscar is for... 12 um, Monkeys? Um, he got nominated 12, 12, 12 Years Monkeys? a Slave, I think. Oh, it might have been nominated. But he's mm. he's won an Oscar as the producer of... Uh, of um, uh, that, not, um... not 12 Years a Slave? Well, 12 Years a Slave, he did produce it. I did one best picture. So I think it might be that. Mm. But all he has is a, pro- is a producing Oscar. Well, Argo. Wasn't he one of the producers on Argo? Should we look it up? Thinking? Should we look, yeah, let's well, look that, it up? What is Brad Pitt's Oscar <laughs> history? I, I will look it up. And um, so, so in a way, again, I thought, oh, well, it's all right for him to win because he is a good yeah. actor. He's done some great things. I'm a little bit tired, to be honest, though. I didn't really like the way that those four categories were completely, the, the four winners were completely the same in the Globes, the BAFTAs yeah, and the Oscars. Yeah. That's disappointing. And it would have been wonderful for there to have been some sort of upheaval but um but at least it wasn't completely undeserved yeah that's my view on brad Mm. what what do you guys think is is probably his best acting gig oh gosh i mean i love 12 monkeys Mm -hmm. he it's sort of that he's got a lot to play with is it uh not fight club is it it burn after reading where he he plays the 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 gym gym instructor (laughs) um i got his number (laughs) I mean, in Glorious Bastards, he's a caricature, isn't he? Um, I don't know. I always loved Brad. I think he was... He, the thing about... Like, what I quite admire about him is that he's he's actually... He's always in sync with the vibe of the film, I feel. Was that 12 Years a Slave? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it was. He it was, was 12 Years a Slave. A producer of 12 Years a Slave. So he won Best Picture. Yeah. And then did he get nominated for Best Actor for... Yeah, so he's been nominated for Hollywood, which he won. He was nominated for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, yeah. 12 monkey, Monkeys, um, Moneyball. Moneyball, and um, he was also nominated as Best Actor in Moneyball. I'm glad he didn't get that. And also in The Big Short. I'm glad he didn't get that. <laughs> so he's been nominated for a whole lot of things wow. that I'm not that impressed with at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Brad. Yeah, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, neither. Oh, she's amazing. It's wonderful. She's amazing in it. And, I love Laura and, Dern. And, and were it not for the fact that it was like, oh, he, it's you again. <laughs> yeah, but, she, she's awesome, but little there, woman. Yeah, she's awesome, little woman. There was, but to be fair, the women that she was up against, none of them deserved it more than she did. Mm. So, you know, yeah, she was great in it. So, oh my gosh, you've got to see Marriage Story if you haven't mm. seen it already. Holy mackerel. I think there's, there's Marriage Story, I've got to see Little Woman. And of course... Best Actress, which was Judy. I haven't seen that film yet either. Oh, and she's marvellous in it. I think her speeches are inexorable. Yeah, oh my was... gosh. <laughs> All of them I find so cringy. And 
I mean, at least she was desperately earnest at the Oscars. She was yeah. very earnest, quite sweet, whereas I think it was the Globes and she rambled on mm. and I was just like, oh dear. <laughs> um, but then they're not doing it for my entertainment, are mm. they? They're, they're, they're earning their award and fair enough too. But she's absolutely marvellous in, in that Judy film as Judy Garland. She's was it, stunning. Was it you saying to me, Sarah, that you felt the speeches were very punchy and that they had clearly been briefed on... Oh, no, I didn't I didn't say that. But oh, they were someone, super short. Someone they were given 45 me. seconds or something. Yeah. Mm. I think it's good, really. I mean, get your point across in 45 seconds yeah. and then get off the stage. And they all managed to. And, and I think Joaquin went on a little longer, but then he was winning Best, um, best Actor. And he was serious. And that was really good, actually. Um, and who else was it? Who's Best... Um... Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. the four. Joaquin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joaquin took it out. So he's, has he won an Academy Award before? Now, very good question, Jeremy. Thanks for asking. I thought that he had won as Walk the Line. Mm. But in actual fact, no. So this is Joaquin's first um, win out of four nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, he, I think he is marvellous in everything that he does, to be honest. And I think he was marvellous as Joker. So I have no issue with his having... Um, won that at all so yeah so this is his first oscar so very well deserved he was nominated for gladiator would you believe walk the line and the master oh yes the master's master's a great role for him but remember gladiator was a year when lots of people were being nominated for gladiator it's not undeserving i thought he was terrific in it but that was 2000 that was his first nomination Mm. walk the line makes a lot of sense because he was playing a you know um well a real person but also somebody with a lot of issues which he's very good at um and then the master so playing an imaginary person with a whole lot of issues which he's also very good at. so um yeah really marvelous and And of course the joke the joker is now the the role to 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 lose the award to because he's he's ledger post humorously post posthumously posthumously yeah i can't say it (laughs) posthumously yes he did um he won uh yeah he he won won it for for the joker and the dark that's right that was very moving so Mm. yeah personally i'm happy with the the acting awards yeah you all happy with them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We give those a tick, move on. A tick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> William, what do you, what should we focus on next? Um, I mean, let's let's talk nineteen seventeen because I, I think that was the big favorite going in, right? And it did win quite a few things. I mean, cinematography, Roger Deakins, just yay, wholly deserved, yeah, totally. Man. And not only was he deserved for that film, but absolutely is a legacy award yeah. the amount of work that he's done. Because um, he last won for, is it Sicario? Or, no. Well, what was the movie that he finally won for? It was Blade for? Runner. But, oh, okay. Did he win for that? He won Sweet. for 2049. Oh, so he already won one. Yeah, but, but, but before, he had been nominated something like 11 times oh, and great. not won I mean, anything. Blade Runner 2049. So hopefully this is the, the you know, opening of the dam. And yeah. He just keeps winning because he deserves it. And he's he an old guy, it. right? He's, yeah. he's relatively old. I think this was completely well-deserved. Because, mm. I mean, if you're going to give it to anybody... you I mean, I don't know how much you've been watching or reading up on the way that 1917 was constructed. But, I mean, it is, it is a feat mm. um, of cinematic brilliance, the way that it was constructed. And he was instrumental in that mm. so I think absolutely deserve it um, so I'm so glad that it did not win anything narrative based because I just feel <laughs> yeah. like um, yeah it just was so languid and we, I mean, we talked about it on our podcast about 1917 but it just the cinematography was beautiful um, technically it was fantastic yeah. but my gosh so, I, I, I was a little bit sad that best score went to Joker. I think really? the Joker score is awesome. That's the first time a woman's been nominated yeah. as best um, best composer, and really? she won. Yes. Wow. 
I think for me it was just I, I remember so so vividly 1970s score. Um, I remember, you know, we talked about this. Newman, is it? Or? Uh, Thomas Newman. Thomas yeah. Newman. And it's just, it's it's familiar without being, you know, tropey. It, it kind of, it's the glue that ties everything together. Yeah. Um, whereas Joker is the exact opposite of that. It's atonal, it's atmospheric. But it's very it's cleverly It's super good. Done. It's, it's super it's good. It's really good. Yeah. I, I, although, yeah, I was just a little, a little like, I mean, it's oh. not as fun. It's not as nice. No, not as nice. There it's we go. not as nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, the Joker overall is just not as But I think, nice. no, that's right. But I think as a feat of um, composition, yeah. I think it was genius and it worked. And, and you know, I, and I am stoked. That this wonderful um, is she Icelandic or Greenlandic? Um, <laughs> is, uh, that, is that the term Greenlandic? It's not. <laughs> it's great. But it can be now um, or Greenlandian. No, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I think she may be Ice Icelandic, and if I'm wrong, mm. listeners, please write in and tell us. Um, but I think it was absolutely marvelous. I thought mm. her speech was beautiful as well. Um, mm. Saying to the to women out there, we we are storytellers. We have stories in us, and you need to when you hear that music inside you, you need to let it out and all that, mm. which I thought was lovely. What? Just just to say about Roger Deakins, holy mackerel! So yeah, he won for um, 1917 and Blade Runner 49. Good lord, he had been nominated for Fargo, Kundun, The Reader, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, um, Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. My favourite film title ever. No Country for Old Men, The Shawshank Redemption, Are You Still With Me? The Man Who Wasn't There, True Grit, Skyfall, Prisoners, Unbroken, Sicario. Wow. So, you know. Just some small films. <laughs> That's right. No, so, no major cinema, cinematographic So he's deserving no matter what. And, yes. and I think he, uh, kind of going back to animation because I love that stuff, um, he's consulted on so many animated movies as well. And Deacons. You can, you can see his fingerprints on Rango, on the How to Train Your Dragon series. Um, and every time Deacon's, you know, every time his name is there, it's like, okay, so there's going to be beautiful lighting, there's going to be crazy camera, mm. it's just going to be great. Mm. He's such a amazing, sorry, an amazing storyteller, yeah. just visually. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to Blade Runner 2049 as being yeah. actually one of the most impressive things visually I've yeah. seen in ever, a long time. Ever. I mean, there's been some great films over the last 10 years, but... Mm -hmm. Wow, they really, they really, he really nailed that whole whole world. Mm. And he's seventy, and uh, so he's got more films in him. Yeah, <laughs> but it is Man. lovely that he it always works 70. with the Coens, Sam Mendes, and D Dennis um, Denis Villeneuve. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's nice, isn't it, when you've got a regular collaborator? Because yeah, he, he did Arrival as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a what a great. Um, what a great, like, triad of, of directors, <laughs> yeah. I guess. You know, and what a great oeuvre that this bloke yeah. has contributed to. And Skyfall is such a pretty movie. Yeah. Mm. This, I mean, we talked about this again on our last podcast, but that burning, the burning church or whatever mm. it was in mm. 1917 yeah. was so much like the scene in, um, in Skyfall. At yeah. the end. Talking about um, kind of the song within you and, and letting it out, mm. I guess, uh, it, it, it's a segue to talk about Alton John, because, of course, mm. he won... Um, the song from Rocket Man with his writing partner, um, Benny... Ber Bernie Taupin. Bernie Taupin. Or Ta Taupin or whatever. And he was in New Zealand the week before the ceremony, and he was in New Zealand the week after the ceremony. Yeah. So he'd flown back. Especially and of course, to now, perform. Now it's just in the news that he, he last night in New Zealand 
had to leave the stage crying because he, he has what's something called walking pneumonia. Yeah, walking mm. pneumonia is basically a lower level form of pneumonia that um, that enables you to carry on with your daily life. But I think probably not if you are a stadium uh, performing rock mm. star yeah. uh, or pop star at least. And bless him. Yeah, he did an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah, and he sang at the Oscars and he'd done it. It's just, yeah. what a cool. trooper. And he, he's got he two more be... gigs this week. Um, and he was meant to be doing Tuesday, Thursday, but is apparently deferred, so it's Wednesday, Thursday now, and hopefully he'll get through those. Yeah. He's a professional. He did say, though, in his speech, um, we haven't we haven't got one of these before, and I'm like, I'm sure he's, he's definitely been nominated. Team, right? they, haven't, they haven't had one together. It was oh, the first time the right. two of them. So uh-huh. Elton, Elton has won. He, he must have won for Lion King. Uh, let me, well, I'll have a look. I mean, that's right. a curve, well, he hasn't, right? Yeah, line, <laughs> he definitely has been nominated because he's, he's like, Nomeo and Juliet or something. He got nominated for a song. Or I hope song. he did win for something like that. Well, he, yeah, did, he did get nominated. That's an awful movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it. But. So, yeah, he won for The Lion King in 94 and Rocket Man 25 years later. Mm. Is that the maths? Yeah. Um, so, yep, that's right. Um, but he, the Lion King, he hadn't done with Bernie, ah, so right. that's why okay. this was a very, very special thing for them. And what a special thing! It's a celebrate. I haven't seen the film yet, but it's a celebration of. You've yeah. not seen Rocket no, Man. No, I need to see oh, it. Oh, you will love it. I mean, it's a musical as well, right? It's, so it's stunning. It, yeah, it, it is. It's like if um, if that Freddie Mercury biopic was actually a good movie. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought that was a pretty good film, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I I I'm a huge. I mean, Queen is my favorite band of all time. Oh. And I really didn't care for that movie. Oh, you, no. But you know about how messed around it yeah, was in its production, yeah. and that Dexter Fletcher was brought in to save it. Oh, and and then you know Queen or surviving members of were like, yes, say this, no, don't say this. Oh, we have to actually look like good guys. Mm. Um, yeah, I I don't care much for that movie at all. You know that uh, when um, what's his name, Sasha Baron Cohen was a direct uh, attached to that film. Yeah. He wanted to pretty much just focus on Freddie Mercury's wild partying lifestyles and right. make a whole film about the, 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 the excess of his life. I guess a Wolf of Wall Street via right. Freddie Mercury. I don't know how that would have gone. Mm. Yeah. When we were in Cannes, I read a Hollywood Reporter or Variety interview with Dexter Fletcher where he actually let on that the way that he got conscripted into Bohemian Rhapsody was that Brian Singer, of course, was the director and Brian was having issues uh, and kept disappearing from set Uh, or turning up late, and eventually the producer, or one of the producers, rang Dexter, and they were kind of mates, and said, can I get you to come over here and save this film? And he, I think he expressed some sort of, oh, well, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, he'd done Eddie the Eagle, but he hadn't really Mm. done a massive sort of, you know, musical blockbuster. And I believe the quote is that the producer said, if you came over and pooed on the floor, it would still be better than what we're dealing ah. with at the moment or something. I mean, I'm probably misquoting, but something that was just like, dude, we just need you and anything will be better. So, of course, he did. Uh-huh. And actually, I mean, you know, maybe the film was flawed and had a lot of issues or whatever. I, I thoroughly I'm enjoyed it, though. for Best Picture and but, it almost won. But he saved it. I mean, he really made something of it mm. and it was definitely saleable and watchable and all that. Mm. And, of course... But Rocketman was his own baby. He was already mm. working on that. Um, and Taron Egerton sings, li- well, sings live. I mean, he sings the songs himself uh, and does a superlative job. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you'll absolutely love Rocketman. So I'm thrilled for Elton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I do need to see it. 
and real happy that Frozen 2 didn't get it because oh those were some gosh. lackluster songs, man. So there was a number at the Oscars. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. there was um, it was really kind of lame, but I get where they were coming from because it was kind <laughs> of sweet. And what they did is they said, Frozen's been translated into 40 different languages worldwide. And here we have a selection of the young women who play Adina. No, no. Who <laughs> are, who are Adina, who play, who play um, Elsa. No, but it, isn't it Adina Menzel? Yes, yes, yes. 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 Yeah. And um, so she and then a whole bunch of other women from different nationalities came out and they all sang, not Let It Go. What is it? Let It Be? Let It Go. Yeah. Not that one. It's gone. Whatever the song is. Whatever the song is that's like of the Frozen 2, anyway. And they all sang that together. It's the third song that landed somewhere over there. So that, but all I'm trying to say is, you know, there you get your diversity because you've got your people from all around the world and you've got women as well. Tick, tick. So there you go. Like, it was very. Was uh, it was yeah. very Disney of them. I thought it reminded yeah. me of "It's a Small World" after. Yes, it did absolutely. Let's yes. talk about Taika Waititi. So yes, Taika. He took away best adapted screenplay. It was a. Mm. It was a moment that um, was shared all over my friends' Facebook pages. Um, I think you know, regardless of how we all feel about the film, I quite liked the film. I felt it dragged in the third act, but it was still a really well rounded, well rounded film. Eventually, I mean. Far out, Taika Waititi. Yeah. He's, he's come a long way. He started off yeah. getting an Oscar nom, and then he's yeah, he's most yeah. recently won himself an Oscar. Yeah, it's a pretty special speech as well. I think calling out to the indigenous peoples of the world oh, and the indigenous storytellers yeah. and awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny because all the um, all of the pre-Oscar stuff that I've been watching, Taika's hilarious, and we all know that he has a very very natural wit. He has a certain laconic way about him. He's terribly dry, terribly funny. Dry, not in the bad way. Dry in the good way. You know what I'm talking about. The Wellingtonian way. <laughs> That's right. And um, and he's and he's absolutely brilliant. And then all of a sudden, I, I feel as though the couple of moments that he was at the, at the Oscars, which include his speech and when he was presenting a presenter for yeah. something else, when and he said Moriora, which was amazing. Mm. Um, he was very much more serious and and a little bit more like rabbit in headlights, kind of a bit scared. And I mm. can't blame him for that. I suppose you would be. So his speech wasn't quite as natural and funny and apparently i think he said directly afterwards he felt a bit stink because he had um he had sort of frozen or or forgotten things or something like that you know he was wonderful you if you want to be entertained though watch his press interview directly after that mm. it's it's outrageous he's just it's i don't yeah it's it's just go watch it if you like take away tv it's worth a watch <laughs> Um, yeah, just him, him giving the shout out to the stolen land um, yes. that the Oscars were, you know, being held on. That, that was did he? Yeah, we yeah. Didn't, we, did he do that in, a, in his? He didn't do that in a speech. He no, 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 no. It when was he was presenting, official thing. He oh, said yeah. the Academy would like to acknowledge that yeah. we are on the lands of, and he named three tribes. Yeah. Wow, yeah, just like I don't think, that's, don't think that's ever happened in no, the Oscars. No, no. Well, there was that. There was the moment where um, Marlon Brando won oh, best, best, best actor, and he had um, a representative of yeah. one of the First Nations go up and make a speech um, yeah. about. But it was to do with an, uh, uh, something that was being protested somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's that's significant. I'm gonna have to go try and find that. That's really yeah. significant, and yeah. how lovely that they picked an indigenous filmmaker yeah. to do that. When he got his BAFTA speech, he was quite funny, and he said, um, "Thank you for this gold. I know you guys have had a tough week, England." Because it was just as Brexit had come into um, come into force, and he said, "Thanks for this gold. I'm going to take it home to uh, where it belongs." Uh, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. I thought, oh, yeah, that'd be about right actually yeah. if you consider, you know, Southland and um, 
Yeah. Australia as well. So <laughs> I, I've uh, since I mean since the Oscars, I've gone back to rewatch a lot of um, Taika Waititi stuff, like uh, Two Cars One Night, which is still so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some of his old Forty Eight Hours filmmaker, like his shorts. Which have you guys seen some of these? I, I know people have been mentioning them. But they are insane. Mm. And they're so bad in that 48 hours, you know, competition kind of way. Yeah. But hilarious. Didn't, and off didn't, the wall. Didn't Doug, your husband Doug. Yeah. You know, you know your husband Doug. Yes, I do know. Um, I'll just Quite explain well. to you how you know him. Um, <laughs> but didn't he judge a 48 hours oh, no. festival when I don't know if he was judging it, but he but Doug entered a forty eight entered forty eight hours the same a same year that Tycho had entered and won his right. Yeah, okay, that's all. So he made reference to it yeah, though, he on, did. on, on yeah. Facebook, Facebook or somewhere. Yeah. He um Tycho Waititi went to the same university that I went to, the same uh, Victoria University Wellington mm. Theatre School uh, with Jermaine <laughs> Clement and uh, Brett McKenzie. Mm. Um, so they you know we share uh, an alum <laughs> kind of connection. Um, uh, so watch out, Oscars! Here I come. Uh, but seriously, his his back catalogue is just fantastic, mm. and um, he's making two films at the moment. He's got uh, the the Cool, Rull- cool Running's kind of um, inspired uh, film about the, the American Samoan soccer team oh, and, right. and the the guy that came in and kind of made them winners. Mm-hmm. And then he's also making the new Thor film, which yeah. Love and Thunder, yeah, which sounds brilliant. <laughs> it just sounds cooler and cooler and cooler the more we hear about it because Christian Bale just signed oh, up. Oh, that's like, cool. What? I mean, Natalie Portman's back playing yeah. Lady Thor. Is Thor, but also so to be cool. called Love and Thunder, yeah. yeah, that's adorable. Yeah, and he's really I love that he's really doubling down on that whole kind of like nineteen, I guess eighties, but yeah. also that. That sort of sixties sword and sandals, yeah, yeah. That, that whole inspired <laughs> thing—it's just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, Ragnarok really was the eighties, wasn't it? With these mm. little, like techno things, but now it's even more pushing. Yeah, into that, yeah. That and he's also—he's—he's he's been trying to get his uh, Akira remake off the ground for so long. Um, he's also working on a TV series of um, with Jude Law. I think it was just reported, oh, but it's like a um, oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's. Oh, While wow. you look him up, I'll just say, interesting what we were saying before about when somebody gets an award, gets an Oscar, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, that's all you're going to get. Because in a way, the screenplay Oscars are quite often the, look, you're never going to win the main prize, but we'll give you this one. And in this instance, I'm not suggesting that Jojo Rabbit didn't deserve Best Adapted Screenplay, because it was adapted from a, a novel, and I, and I think he did a terrific job, etc., etc. But it does seem, doesn't it, a little bit like, because he was up for Best Director as well. No, no, he wasn't. No. no, that was at the Baftas. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but even that, it's like wow, you know. Yeah. Um, he got. I mean, I understand why. I I was thinking about this best adapted screenplay because, you know, one of the key things that he added to the film, and he's talked a lot about this in the um, kind of build up in the interviews, mm. that the Hitler character wasn't mm. in the book, Mm-mm. and the book was very much a more serious film. So mm. I think in terms of an adaptation. It's using it with mm. his kind of ethos and his style. Yeah, um, it's so easily visible based on that story. What mm. he's injected into the film, both the humor and giving Jojo a conscience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who's who's Hitler? It's quite amazing. <laughs> also, Tarantino's never won Best Director, has he? I don't think so. And he won obviously screenplays um, for Inglorious and Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Tyker's in good company. He's still relatively at the beginning of a, a yeah. what will be a fantastic career. So 
it's okay that it's... he didn't get any bigger than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm hoping that he um, eventually gets his way to best director because I think he, I think he's absolutely capable of it um, mm-hmm. and and would deserve it for the right film. Yeah, and I think we, we've talked about this um, during our Thor review back in the day, but you can really see his style evolve over the, the movies as well. Mm. Like, you know, I, I went back to watch Boy a couple of years ago, and it it still feel that, that and Eagle vs Shark feel very much like what if. Uh, Kiwi made a Wes Anderson movie. Like stylistically, it takes so much of Wes Anderson's work and just reimagines it in you know um, East Coast setting or, or whatnot. But then you watch you know Water People and what we do in the Shadows and Thor, and he's he's just evolving with every single mm. movie, and it's so cool to see. Well, you've got um, I think Eagle vs Shark is very. It reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. I think definitely Boy Wears Anderson. Mm-hmm. It for the Water People has some real Tarantino aspects to it with the mm-hmm. chapters and. To be fair, Jojo Rabbit looks exactly like a Wes Anderson. L- like film. like um, uh, Grand Budapest does. Hotel. It absolutely does look like it's set in a couple of rooms of Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> it's, it's interesting though, Anna. We talked about this again with that when we did the podcast on Jojo Rabbit, but it, it, I love Wes Anderson. Don't get me wrong, but he, you know, he, there's always that sort of disconnect from what's going yeah. on. It's mm-hmm. it's very heightened. Whereas um, Taika has that uh, has that kind of heightened element. But my gosh, the best parts of Jojo Rabbit are those, and I talked about it again, um, mm-hmm. is those human moments. Mm-hmm. And another interesting thing he said in the kind of lead up to this award ceremony is, you know, I I, I made this a comedy because I don't know how to do a drama. I only know how to do comedy. But every one of his films have such a dark, dark heart to them. Not a dark heart, but they, they deal with some really serious things. Like yeah. You look at Eagle vs. Shark and you've got, you know, we've talked about this before, but absent parents and boy, has a, has a, the central yeah. part is the death of a, of a mother and mm-hmm. how that's just sent ricochets through the whole family. And even, even Thor Ragnarok has kind of some really underlying um, yeah. narratives that are quite hard to face. So I think he's, sorry. No, that's... that's I think yeah. he's very, very drawn to truth and pathos and when I say darkness, I don't mean in an emo way. I think he's very drawn to that, but I think he is. And you see this in all of his interviews, everything except for his Oscar speech, probably. But he always then gets to that stage where he has to sort of puncture it uh, and then punctuate it with humour mm. and sort of undercut things that might have got a bit too serious or a little bit too dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I think that speaks such a lot to the way he is as a person, and yet he's still drawn to these these you know serious moments, and you know what I mean. It's not all frivolity, mm. but he couldn't at the moment. I think he thinks he could not maintain a full drama marriage story type film without think, you know. I think he could, but on that note as well, the TV series that I was thinking of and I've just looked up is an adaptation of Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. What? Well, that's good. Yeah. That, that's, that'll be cray cray. Which is one of the it's scariest like things I've butter and chocolate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa. But it's like, that was one of the scariest films I saw as a child. This imagery yeah. in there. Like when the dwarves, or the, the little people, um, get to like the glass wall on the beach and then they break <laughs> it and there's like the scary towel behind it. It's still one of the most terrifying things. Even as an adult, when I look at that, I'm like, that's so scary. What a scary... Was it meant to be scary to adults or was it mainly scary to you because you were a child? Probably because I was a child. Mm. Yeah. But it's pretty... It was, it's, yeah, I, I saw it in my in my late 20s and it was still pretty scary. Yeah. yeah. Jerry Gilliam, man. Just uncomfortable. So it'll be interesting then how he handles the possibilities yeah. of that. But I mean, yeah. the minute you say Terry Gilliam, it's like, well, yeah, free reign to, to Tiger <laughs> to, you know... But he's also um, in that movie that's coming out with uh, Ryan Reynolds, right? Yeah. What, um, acting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what? They, they, they play like video game characters who suddenly realise they have free will. Oh, that's 
that's fun. Yeah. Who's directing that? I do not know, but it's our favorite comedic duo from Green Lantern. Yeah. Back again. Have you seen his interviews where, with the cast of that film? Yeah. And, and they're like, this is the first time we've worked together. And the other cast is like, but Green Lantern? And they're like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> wait, wait, was Tiger in Green Lantern? Yeah, yeah he was the roommate. He, he, he's the comedic sidekick. Yeah. Oh, but just like as a small supporting <laughs> yeah, yeah. best mate kind of thing. It feels like an Alexander Payne film waiting to happen, doesn't it? So I'll look it up and you guys chat. <laughs> well, while you're looking it up, I guess we've got time for any last minute commentary about the Oscars. Are there, are there any other uh, categories that we feel we want to want to bring up or mention? I mean, Sarah, you bring up Ford v Ferrari, and we've talked about this somewhat. Mm. It's I don't think anyone thinks it's a particularly good movie, but the editing is really good, and I think and it, it won editing. It, it won editing, and it completely deserves it deserves it because without the editing, that movie would be so slapdash. And somehow they took these amazing race scenes and just spliced it together into something that's actually exciting. And you're following a race, even though you kind of know... I mean, it's a historical race, you know, who won. Um, so I, I was pretty happy for that. Um, I think that won one of the Sound Awards as well in 1970, won the other one, which is also good. Yeah, mm. real happy. Yeah. And 1917 won Best Visual Effects. Visual Effects. But yeah. that's all. It only won those three. Yeah. And Cinematography. Right. Little Women won Best Costume Design, mm -hmm. which oh, yeah. it absolutely should have oh, because yeah. the costumes were unbelievable. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won Best Production, production Design, yeah. which absolutely yeah. deserved. I mean, they, they recreated. It's like basically the best part of that movie. Yeah, and there's the nostalgia that comes yeah. from that. Because it feels so real when you watch it. He'll be sad, won't he? He will have been really sad about not winning any more than that, but you know how I feel about that film and how mm. William feels about that film, and it wasn't quite up to up to. No, cinema. I could. I mean, was it up for cinematography? Because the lighting was just beautiful um, in that film. Do you want to look that up, William? While Sarah, Sarah, okay. what, what we what were Sean we Levy. Up? Sean Levy is the director of. Um, funnily enough, Stranger Things. Um, a right, no producer of Arrival. Sorry, be beg your pardon, people. But anyway, he's the director of the Tyker and oh, Ryan Reynolds right, right. film. Yeah, he's done a bunch of comedies. Um, so yeah, sorry about that, people. Um, <laughs> also, um, uh, Hair Love won Best Animated Short, and it's free on YouTube, and it's awesome. Um, I highly recommend people check it out because it's it's such a wonderful little thing. Well, um, Phoebe, who was on the podcast our, our Oscars debrief last year, she. Mm -hmm. Uh, was one of the contributors, the Kickstarter contributors that nice. helped put that film together, and she's very proud of the fact that her name is in the credits. Oh, that's awesome! Um, so yeah, nice so, little cinema and context connection there. Sean Levy or Levy is Night at the Museum, um, and the remake of Pink Panther, and Date Night, and Real Steel and stuff. So you know, he's a funny yeah. guy. He's sort of that run-of-the-mill dialer comedian director. Sure, this Generally. is where I leave you. So yeah, that's right. So Jason Bateman. That kind of thing, and some Stranger Things. Mm. So you know, good times. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Once Upon a Time was nominated for Best Cinematography. Was it? As well as costume, sound mix, Who sound editing. Who was the cinematographer? Uh, Robert Richardson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. he always works with. I mean, there's another I mean, old dude who's done a lot of stuff. It deserved it. It was it was beautifully shot that yeah. film. You know, I mean, the, the issues with Once Upon a Time are in the direction, mm. not in terms of this what's happening in the in the scene, but in terms of the overall arc. Yeah, and and the I mean the editing, I, I don't know if I'd criticize the editing in the sense that the editing yeah. of the scenes themselves I thought were wonderful. It was yeah. just the overall culling of stuff, which yeah. again I think is in the hands of yeah. the director and the producer. I don't think that that is the editors. Yeah, the editor does good stuff, especially with the... Um, I was thinking back of the scene where, you know, you have everyone driving their cars and the radio kind of... Sometimes they share the same same station and sometimes they don't. 
and it's kind of this this weird use of sound to tie together very very disparate scenes and it's awesome but isn't yeah. that sound editing not editing no mm. i think i think it's the way the shots are put together and the whole ranch sequence is really impressive mm. i just think that that the person who was talking to the editor maybe needed to have some some pushback <laughs> The pushback per- on their... Uh, the person who was talking to the editor was Quentin. Yeah. And he's saying, I like this, and I want it in. And the guy's like, yeah, all right, I'll do what you want to. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Restraint. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your cinema-loving friends. You can find Cinema in Context on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Radio Public. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter... YouTube, and I've forgotten one, Instagram, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, Kakiteano! Kakiteano.